calls him Matt, and he began to tell me that he was trying to find uh, about a leg, and knocking on the doors and different things, and trying to get into the house, and I hadn't been able to get a hold of him or anything at all, and, and so he said, well, as soon as we find out, we will let you know, and Hopefully, things will never leave out of time. And so it was that, of course, we know that we had sat down in his chair and that was it. We had just passed on. Um, sometimes I've seen so much uh, my, own, my own family and they've suffered a lot. Sometimes I wish that, that, <laughs> that, that would be my, my situation. But I was thinking, after that, uh, and I realized that each time, my mind began to, to, to think about a congregation. He'd been around for a very long time in this congregation. And, and so I, was, I really was thinking about what Paul said about uh, congregations that come together and... and Congregate and, and fellowship and are part of, of one another and they just are, are close like we've been. And, and I thought, because he talks about um, each of the members taking care of one another, um, those that have more need, reach out to them and different things. But then I got to thinking, what happens when, you know, someone actually dies in the congregation? Is the, you know, the arm severed, the leg severed, and the congregation all of a sudden no longer um, is, is whole? Is that really what you know, Paul was trying to get at? And that's not really it. Um, he was trying to help people to understand that in a congregation there is a need to not have any schisms in the congregation. And he says in here in verse 26, I'm just going to read a couple of verses here. In 1 Corinthians 12, in verse 26 and verse 27, it says, Whether one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. O one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. I think this is one thing that we uh, really come to understand in, in, in that um, in that area, we are Christ. This is Christ's congregation. We are part of that body. And even though we've lost someone, there is a spiritual uh, component to this, uh, this congregation. If you'll go over to when Paul mentions that in First Corinthians, the third chapter, beginning in verse 16, and he says, Know you not that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. If any man defile the temple of God, then shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. 
And so subsequently what we find is that we have a, a physical association with one another. We're commanded to come and worship together. God wants us to be together, wants us to worship together. He commanded to do so. But we also have in this congregation God's Holy Spirit that dwells in each one of us and we become a part of the temple of God. So even though someone passes we're going to talk about that a little bit more. I'm going to leave it right there. And I'm going to go to something because we truly are walking around in a, temp- a temporary dwelling. It's kind of interesting that the Bible talks about tabernacles. And, and, and we, we keep the Feast of Tabernacles. Well, that's the Feast of Tenting, the Feast of Booths, the Feast of Temporary dwelling. Well, it's so appropriate for human beings to understand that and so appropriate for us to, to come to grasp that we are all of us temple and that someday we will all um, succumb to that life ending thing. But that's not the end, is it? That's not the end. Now, I don't know. How much time I have here to really dwell on this. But in Ecclesiastes, Solomon gave us the raw deal. And I call it the raw deal because that's sometimes what we look at when we see life uh, in the raw, life as it is. Because he said, vanity of vanities in Ecclesiastes, the first chapter, which means uh, futility, um, can mean all kinds of different things, but it's just, you know, life can be that way. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit has a man of all his labor which he takes under the sun? One generation passes away, another generation comes, but the earth abides forever. The older you get, the more suns you're going to see coming up, more suns you're going to see that, you know, going down. But it says, the sun also rises and the sun goes down. And hence this place were alone. The wind goes towards the south and turns around into the north and it whirls about continuously and the wind returns again according to its purpose. It's, it's true. This is what happens in life. All the rivers run to the sea, yet the sea is not full. The place from where the rivers come, they will return again and all things are full of Labor, man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. More the number of books, all of the things that are in society are a part of life and go on and continue to go on, at least until what Mark is talking about. So he says, I'm, I'm going to skip down here to, to verse 17, and he gave... And I gave my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly, and I perceive that this is also vexation of spirit, for in much wisdom is much grief. He that increases knowledge increases sorrow. The more we understand about the world we live in and the fact that, you know, life is simple, the more sorrowful we, we become unless we understand the truth which is written in God's Word. Now, Ecclesiastes 9 
I'm going to pick it up in verse 10, just a couple of verses here. He says, Whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave where you go. Stay true. I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to the men of understanding, nor yet favor to the men of skill. But time and chance happens to them all. Time and chance happens to them In in life, you come to find out in many ways that that is the, the truth about life. Um, sometimes your little children die from disease or from accident, or you moan and groan because you, you're such a small child that has lost your life. Older people get into an accident and die. Um, we see it all the time. Or there's, there's murders and different things and suicides. All of those things that are happening in the world. You would hope that it would not be a, you know, a sinful thing like murder. But we all know that time and chance happens to, to, to everyone eventually. And after reading through Ecclesiastes, all of us kind of are a little bit on the depressed side, you know. It's just vanity and vanity, all of that. Futility, man, it goes all the way through. But he finally comes to the real answer, to the real answer of life. At the end of his book, at the end of Ecclesiastes, he finally gives us the true answer. It's found in verse 13 and 14. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep His commandments, for this is the whole of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment and every single secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. And even in Solomon's book, there is a look at a, a time of judgment. Resurrection, if you want, it's the proper word. A time of judgment that is coming when all men, no matter what their histories have been, no matter what governments they've been ruling over, no matter what has happened in the world, they will come to understand that their sin or whatever will be brought to judgment. There's a beautiful scripture, and I think my wife said it was in two places, and I didn't look that up. But it's in Psalms 116. And it's leading us to, to where I want to go with this message today. Psalms 116, verse 15. And that is, you know, might have had a scripture side, even better than this. He had admitted several times up there that he was a little different, and had a little different thinking. But that's okay. He believed in God. And, oh, I told him several times he was a really good preacher. You know, he, he, he could 
uh, put things together and, and actually you know, give us uh, really good uh, evangelist teachings and things that uh, we need. And so he'll be totally uh, into everybody there, the choir and the Bible studies and all. And so in that way, we led a really good example of being very involved. In verse 15, he says this, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Now the word saints, even in the Old Testament, means holy ones, i.e. those of us that are here, including our children. But because of us, us are, are protected and, and are holy also. So precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his son. Um, Greg's like a physician in the same thing. Some, some physician will be there, uh, probably a teacher, out and, and have that, and that's, uh, he's uh, ready to take up that mantle someday in the kingdom. Let's go to Romans, the 14th chapter. We developed this about spiritual part of this. And Christ ruling over all of these things and having um, rulership over all. Romans 14, just a few verses here, 7. For none of us lives to himself, and no man dies to himself. For whether we live, or we, uh, um, whether we live, we live to the Lord, and whether we die, we die to the Lord, and whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord. For to this end, Christ both died and rose and re- revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. Remember what Jesus said: "Says God is not." the God of the dead. Even though we pass from this life, the spirit goes back to God, the body goes into the ground, and however it's uh, taken care of. And they have the power over that. Right? Jesus has the power over that. Even in death, we are Christ. Whether we live or whether we die, we are Jesus Christ. And that's a very comforting thing to understand, a very comforting to know about. Revelation 1, verse 18, Jesus has a particular set of keys. I read this many years ago, and I got to thinking, keys? Verse 18, he says, actually, uh, verse 17, when I... I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he, he, he laid his hand right uh, upon me, saying, Fear not, for I am the first and the last. I am he that lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. Well, the word hell, of course, is uh, the grave. And death is that which he is able to resurrect. So he has keys to open the grave and raise the dead. 
antiquity can that be? Even if we pass from this physical life, because of this physical body that we have, that we walk around in, which is physical, uh, which sometimes has a lot of ailments and a lot of diseases that, that, that take us down and make us uh, sometimes sick and sometimes just don't feel good and uh, can't get around real well. One of these days, when we give up this physical body, we'll receive a spiritual body because Christ will resurrect those out of the grave for, and we'll read that in a second. He'll resurrect those out of the grave and change anyone left on the earth when we return. Whatever he is, that's what we're coming. So let's look at one of the most important chapters to learn about resurrection. And that particular time, and what if and what it says about what Christ is doing. In 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, it says, um, I want to begin in verse 12. Now, it, it's this, and, and Paul's making this argument that he, he, he was, every time I read it, I realize he was probably very vehement about what he said in, in these few verses in, in the first chapter of First Chronicles 15. Because it seems like there's a lot of power in these verses. A lot of, you've got to understand this. You've got to understand this. What I am preaching to you, you've got to understand. Because he says, now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, now how say some of you that there is no resurrection of the dead? He says, but if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. And uh, I would, there's a little underline on my word, vain, and it says worthless. If, if, if there's no resurrection, all this preaching and all the preaching that we've done and down through the ages has been preached about this, is worthless. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, then he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, and you are yet in your sins. See how important the resurrection of Jesus Christ is and was? I mean, it continues to be so important down through the ages, down through time. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all of men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of those that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order. Christ the first fruits, afterwards they that are Christ at his coming. You can have confidence in your life, your physical life. You can have great confidence in your physical life that even if you pass into death, or should I call it sleep, you have the assurance that you're going to be in the kingdom of God. You're going to be resurrected. 
because Christ sits at the right hand of the Father. He is the first priest. Afterwards, they that are Christ that are coming. Those that accepted Jesus Christ shall receive the ages. Those who have the Spirit dwelling in them. Those will be resurrected at that particular time when Christ returns. By the way, this is the short gospel message in a very few words. Paul had a very good way of doing this. This is, this is so powerful. So, listen to what he, uh, what he says. There comes the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father. For he shall put down all rule and all authority and all power. For he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. And it's an enemy. It separates us, doesn't it? From friends and family and different ones that we've known through the ages and through, the, you know, through, our, through our life and through our lifespan. It separates us. It makes it difficult sometimes to realize that uh, someone has, has left us. And yet, we understand the truth, and we know about the resurrection, and that's our hope, and that's our, our goal, our, our wanting to have it happen. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death, and I want to see that day. All death, gone, none, no one dies. It's breaking the gift. For he has put all things under his feet, and when he says all things are put under him, it is manifest that is accepted, which put all those things under him. And when all things shall be subdued to him, then shall the Son also himself be subject to him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. That's the gospel message. That's the whole gospel message. That Jesus Christ sacrificed, and that's the kingdom of God, and how it will work out in just a few verses. It is so powerful. So very, very uh, profound. Um, let's go to Second Corinthians, the fifth chapter. Let's learn a little bit about the corporal body that we have. So Paul, well, I'm pretty close right here. I got that. Paul gives us some instruction here. He says, For we know that if our earthly house, this tabernacle, this temporary dwelling, that's what that means. You look it up and actually says tent. Anybody tented? Put in a tent? <laughs> Not a very comfortable place. You can put beds in there and you know, get fairly comfortable, but it's it's just not, you know, none of that comfortable. So, we're a tabernacle. We're a temporary dwelling. We're dissolved. We have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this very land, we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are 
in this tabernacle, this temporary dwelling, we groan, we burden, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Life eternal. Now he that has wrought us for the self-same thing as God, who also has given to us the earnest of the Spirit. The earnest is a down payment. It's not, you know, Jesus came with the full power of the Spirit to call upon all of it. We get just the earnest, just the down payment of the Spirit. Therefore, we were always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing, rather, to be absent from the body and be present with the Lord. All of us desire that. Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he has done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade them that we are made manifest and that we are made manifest to God, and that trust also is made manifest to your consciences, for we are commanded, uh, commended not ourselves again to you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that you may have somewhat to answer them with glory in appearance and not in heart. Um, I might go ahead and finish this if you don't mind, Brian. I had it just uh, through uh, verse 10, but I, I think that the, there's a, some more stuff here that, and I've got a little time uh, to put it in. So let's, let's look at the, the rest of this chapter as Paul uh, expands on this a little bit. For whether we be ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. Uh, be beside ourselves, and that is uh, crazy. <laughs> For the love of Christ constrains us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not hereafter live to themselves, but to him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore hereafter know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now hereafter know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Which he passes down from generation to generation of those that are preachers and teachers and pastors and the different ones. So we all have that ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to him, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God would beseech you by us. We pray you, in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God. For he has made him to be the sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. 
says, um, interesting, this, the lion, and the, oh, the nine little pillows, and the last one, I can't remember what the last one was, but in the end, these young kids, there's four of them, do a lot of battling, and in the Disney movie, at the end of the battle, they're sitting around playing. And this is one of the most powerful things. I, think. I watched the movie, and they were battling and battling, and they had to have help. And, and but they still stayed in there. They battled. They battled the evil, and they kept battling. And at the end, they won. And after they won, they, they just kept on playing, and they each had crumbs on their hands. And so that always, you know, brought me back to, to the three crowns. The second Timothy was Paul, James, and Peter. All three of them mentioned crowns in the scripture. Paul's is in Second Timothy. And it's in, in uh, 4 and verse 8. Hereafter there is laid up for me. Now let's, let's read verse 7. Because I think all of us have a fight that we, we're, we're trying to overcome in our lives, whether it's sin, whether it's, you know, difficulties with, uh, you know, other people and all different things that are in our life. He says, I, I fought the good fight. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. Hereafter there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but to all them also that love is appearing. So here's the crown of righteousness that shall be given to those who fight that good fight and make it into the kingdom. And that's, yeah. Reggie has been with this faith for a very long time. And I know he believed these words and he believed the scriptures. And now he's waiting for that crown to be put on in the kingdom. All of us in the church should be waiting for that crown to be put on in the kingdom. James had this to say. Blessed is that man that endures temptation, trials, tests, all the different things that happen. For when he is tried, tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to them that love him. So a crown of righteousness, a crown of, of life. And then <clears throat> it does talk about the ministry, but I think in every way it also is talking about every one of us. There's a crown of glory in verse 5 uh, of chapter 5, First uh, Peter 5 and verse 4. And Neither is being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. He's talking about the ministry. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, he shall receive a crown of glory that fades not away. A crown of glory that fades not away. One last thing. This is not all that long. But I wanted to, to bring one of the most that's what I always read in funerals and different times. 
but it always is encouraging to me because there's a power that God is going to, to, to use to bring His children into the kingdom. And that power is the resurrection. And, and none of us can really understand this until that day when we are, you know, very dead and we're resurrected as we're alive in there. We, we cannot understand that power. It was mentioned about Lazarus, you know, four days and then coming and using that power of the resurrection from the grave, even though they were saying, oh, he's finished, he's, he's already decomposed. That's not a problem with God. That's not a problem with God. And he will be able to resurrect millions. And I'm hoping it's maybe in the billions who have come this way. And whose positions in the kingdom are waiting. Verse 13. He said, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them that are the, which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which slept in Jesus will God bring with them. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain as to the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. So there might be a whole bunch of people that are still alive, going through the trials and tribulations that will be on the earth, but that will not prevent those who have died in Christ from being resurrected first. For the Lord himself to descend from the heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Wow. Will we hear it? Yes, we'll hear it. <laughs> It will be our calling to come up out of the grave. Yes. If we're in the grave. It'll, it'll, or if we're alive, it'll be our calling to be changed in the twinkling of an eye. It's a, it's a powerful thought that all of a sudden you go from this physical, temporal body with all the problems sometimes that we have when you get older, especially. <clears throat> Sometimes when you're young, especially when you get older, to know that all of a sudden you're going to be changed into a glorious, wonderful, powerful body that will never fade, that will never get sick. Nothing will be able to affect it. We which are alive and reign shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever, ever be with the Lord. So, brethren, today, I wanted to comfort you with these words. As it says, wherefore, comfort one another with these words.